and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we're closing a chapter and a book. Mm. The Vermis. The Vermis Mysteries. We're going to talk about the finale of Chapel Wait, entitled The Keeper. But before we get started, how was your week? Uh, my week was actually pretty fun. It, it, since the last time we recorded, yeah. we had a holiday. It's a happy new year. Right. It's a new year. We had fun on our new year. We went and went to the movies for the first time in a very long time. We did. You may hear about it later. And um Yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was it was great just sort of relaxing. We yes. didn't really have a big full schedule. Mm-mm. Um I watched a lot of movies. I relaxed. I was able to sort of which is, as it is, was a great idea because we were coming into a very busy, very crazy week. Yeah, this week's work. been a nightmare at your work. Yeah, so which it's... Which is true, I think, for many people yeah. out there as one million people a day get sick with COVID, which means one million people a day are not going into work. Hey, everyone. If you're going anywhere and using the services of any build- business... Let's be gentle and kind with each right. other, shall we? Because everyone is sick, worried about getting sick, or covering for someone who is sick. And, that's, and that's, it sucks. Right, pretty much where we were because we had a... <coughs> He's fine. <laughs> He's boosted. <laughs> He's going to be great. We had an intersection of COVID and flu season Yeah. that wreaked havoc on our... Uh, our field technicians. Yeah. And so we're having to cover things. There are people working 10-hour days. 12-hour days, yeah. And a very physical job, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just been difficult rerouting people, trying to change schedules. Customers thinking that you're destroying their lives on purpose. Yes. So it's it's been a really tough week. So I'm That's glad why that I double-shotted. Flu shot. Booster. <laughs> yeah, but you seem to be, have suffered a little bit from the side effects of that. That's fine. It's worth not getting COVID. Well, that's true. <laughs> So how was your week? My week was? I seem to remember you having a good time there. I had a nice time. I did have a sort of a down day one of the days this weekend. I just like didn't even come out. Mm -hmm. I'm just not feeling particularly well. Okay. It might be uh, the flu that broke through or something. Like, Mm. I don't have any symptoms other than just lethargy and bleh right. but i think the actual illness that i am experiences experiencing is a uh, new year's evitis which i have suffered from my entire life some people get into a funk and a malaise around their birthday for me it is dead of winter when the new year happens i don't know why i just get a little like what even is the point i know of I can understand that. So I'm trying to overcome that because it sucks and it's dumb and it's not helpful. Uh, But that is what I've been dealing with. But it's fine. And this week we work. This week we work and we record all the podcasts. Yes, we do. And we make choices for our next new year. And also for today. Because that's more important. The choice for today is more important than the choice for Forever. <laughs> this is how I will be. No. Well, I'm going to make the next good choice. You want to get into this episode? Yes. I'm hesitant, not because I'm hesitant, but because this is La Ultima. E. I am sad. The ultimate episode of Chapel Wait or the ultimate episode of Stephen, Stephen King? King? How many episodes have we done of the Stephen King stuff? Of Stephen King? 130. Yeah. Oh, good lord, wow. Some. Uh, I can find that out for you directly. This is going to be our 134th episode. So, with next week's episode, and next week we're going to do a Stephen King recap, right. like an overarching. We're going to do a little bit of a, like our Academy Awards for Stephen King's. Um, and. That will be our 135th Stephen King episode. Uh, mucho. Yeah, the, I, I, you know, for some reason, the one that comes to mind right now is The Mangler. Mm. As just the low point, not a terrible low point. We're not talking point. about it. We're not talking about it. Uh, <laughs> with Stephen King, though, in this particular period, but more, uh, for the most part, I really enjoyed. 
Yeah, and this there was particular a nice stretch variety, of right. a nice variety of things. So, but we're gonna get into that next week, and that will be our 135th Stephen King episode, wherein we will discuss or tell you because we are discussing off mic what our next uh, topic is going to yes. be. I sound a lot like Gareth when I say that. Mm-hmm. Go watch, go listen to the dollop too after this, but not right now. I'm I'm cutting that whole thing out. Anyways, um. Chapel Wait, episode 10. Before we get started, did I do my homework? Yes, you I did. I did do my homework. I listened to the entirety of the Jerusalem Slot audiobook in 14-minute segments on YouTube last night. I'm just glad it's there. Uh, and it was very different than that. I mean, it it was like two femurs and a skull mm-hmm. on which this... Right. Was built. Like, it wasn't the whole skeleton, even. It was just no. some bones that they found, and then they recreated a whole person out of it. Uh, so let's let's start with that. It is an epistolary short story. For all those who didn't major in English when they were in high school or in college. It means it's a story involving guns. No. Okay. Not pistols. Epistolary meant. Epistolary. It epistolary. means... Written in letters and or journals. It's like the found footage of literature. Okay. <laughs> right? That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. Um, it is It is a book that is written primarily or entirely in letters or journal entries to non-characters. Uh, well, I guess you could have letters back and forth to each other and then you have two characters, but in this case, largely, it is letters from Charles Boone, a widow with no children, who moves with his manservant, Calvin, into Chapelwaite after his estranged cousin does leave it to him. So that stuff is the same. His family is different. Uh, He does hear rats in the walls. They are rats. They are in fact. His relatives. Okay. Marcella in this version is a sister of Stephen Boone, not the daughter of Stephen Boone. Uh, Marcella and Stephen and maybe Philip are uh, in the cellar. They do find them in the cellar, which is uh, through a through a like a trap door in the kitchen is how you get to the cellar. They do go down there at one point, uh, and he does travel to Jerusalem's lot, where he finds a perfectly preserved town with no one in it Mm. that smells of death, and in the church is the book. The book is there, so that's not... There's no playing keep away with the book. No, keep away with the book. Uh, Eventually, he does go with Calvin. They think that they're going to take on the group and burn the book, but... He does get overtaken. He does bring the worm into the world. But then, is it Calvin that, like, Mm -hmm. manages to wrestle away the book and burn it? To his own detriment, he is killed. That's a pity. (laughs) I liked Calvin. Um, Charles sends a last letter to his friend, to whom all of these... uh, are written a man by the name of Bones, Bones. who I believe is a physician. So that of makes course. sense. And uh, finally, there is a like an epilogue letter written by a. It's a quote editor's note. It's not really an editor. Obviously, it is part of the story, uh, attributing this to the madness. He uh, Charles Boone had suffered madness after the death of his wife, and they presumed that he suffered the madness again, did kill his manservant, and then kill himself. And uh, now, uh, but he was not, he, he he wrote to say he would kill himself to end the boon line and end this curse. Mm. Uh, but the person writing the prologue, or the epilogue, excuse me, uh, is a relation removed and separate that Charles didn't know about, writing in 1971, October 2nd, 1971. October 2nd is also the date of the first letter that Charles Boone wrote. Um, 
and saying that he now has uh, control of the house and it does still need an exterminator. So, what want is going to happen again. So, did you like it? It was fine. I didn't like the... I didn't like the reading. I didn't... I did... Here's my favorite part of the audiobook. Mm-hmm. Please turn the cassette over. Your story continues on the other side. Um. I was like... <gasps> I never thought I'd hear it again. <laughs> Old school technology. <laughs> it, that was cool. The story was fine. Um, it was very short. It was very much like a Gabal story. It was like one of your stories. Well, it's, the tone with which it was read. Right. It, it's a period piece. It is. It's uh, set it's, in 1850, just like this one. Right. It's written... Uh, Stephen King has a very fine handle on that kind of language. And um, there some was people, a turn of phrase that I wanted to write down because it uh, particularly appealed to me. But people, there, there are authors who are trying to write in this vernacular that are kind of inauthentic sometimes, and you hear them say things that it's like, no, that that doesn't quite fit, or even if it did fit, it didn't fit well with who the narrative voice is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and there, there are terrible examples of that kind of fiction. He he fits it really well. Yeah, it is agreed. very much a piece with um, stories that I grew up reading. Yeah. Uh, there's references to M.R. James. There's, yes. of course, references to Lovecraft. There's re- there references are, uh, to Black. Uh, Yes, there are the references within here to, to Lovecraft. Right. And there's then, a, there's a, a, it seems to... Was it to, Robert Block that wrote yeah, the... Yeah, who wrote the Vermises. Mysteries. Um, the, the, um, the whole description of the town reminded me of Shadow over in his mouth. Okay, yeah, I could see that. And, you know, this sort of decrepit town where everything's kind of a mess and there should be people there because there's objects there that belong to people. Right. Um, there's a much more of an... Yeah, I think the the comparison I would make is that the it, it handled or had a more consistent mythology than the TV show did, where there were things that didn't quite make sense. Sure. Do you think that it was an homage to Dracula? I think it was, among other things, but it was an homage to... also an epistolary novel right, about vampires. Yeah. The kinds of things that you would read Conan Doyle and H.G. Wells writing, you know, at that, you know, the 1860s, mm-hmm. shortly after that. But um, you would read the writing, or you would read their stories, and they wrote a lot of this. I discovered this manuscript, and it said this, yeah, and yeah, these yeah. events happened, so it's very I, much that kind of adventure. What kept striking me was... The disdain that Charles had for literally everybody around yes. him, uh, especially yeah. his manservant, who was the only person on his side. Who saves his life. Who saves his life right. and who does die in the process. But he does keep referring to his doltish right. like appearance and, 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 and sort of mocking his, his intelligence and his ability to read and write. Even though parts of the, no- or of the story mm. are from the journals of Calvin... Right, I think McMahon that man or whatever. His name in was. fairness, he um, he, and it seems he does uh, it's, it's like a loving ribbing, but just right. on the page or in the tone. Right, when you don't get them interacting at well, all. He comments a lot on the kind of general stupidity of the people in the town. Of course, yeah, and they're, they're also cruel to him and right and Calvin. So. Yeah, and there's a lot of that. Everyone in the town is an alcoholic. And kind of mm-hmm. stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an interesting element to it where uh, the king seems to want to make it very clear to you where this is obviously not Lovecraft, um, in that he's repeatedly stating that this man is an abolitionist and yeah. he met his other friends in the anti slavery cause. Yeah. So, and uh, that doesn't Which really. Which may be why they uh-huh. made him marry. A person of color in the television in the program. show, right? Yeah, I think that it to seems, add that without right. adding that. I think that um, it's almost as if he wanted that to be very clear from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm not writing that kind of hero. I'm writing a different kind of hero. I also like that there's an, an indication this part of the of the state of Massachusetts now known as Maine, right. like it was Massachusetts until right, exactly. a minute ago. <laughs> Then now it is Maine, and I feel like he got across some of the effects very good. It's creepy, and his description of the abandoned town and and eventually what happens to Calvin are really good. 
So yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. It was very comfortable for me. It was a kind yeah, of fiction. Yeah, it was white, and it, it felt very much in your wheelhouse. Yeah. And I didn't hate it, but like I said, it did feel... I think I would have liked to read it better than having right. it read aloud. And I also struggle with narrative. It's uh-huh. one of the things that I have... Um, the way that I process right. audio stuff coming in, I can listen to two people talk. I could listen to us talk mm-hmm. and do all kinds of other things. But if there's a narrative, my brain either blocks it out and I don't even hear anything, or I just, and that, that's what happens. I just go long stretches where my brain just stops processing it. And then I'm like, wait, what happened? So it's hard when people yeah. are reading to me. Um, or when I'm listening to a narrative thing, I, that's what I have to be focused on primarily. I can do like silly match three games or something, mm. but if I'm, I can't do it while I'm working. So I did this while I was in bed last night. I was listening to it. Um, I did fall asleep during the last one, but I caught myself and I woke up and you listened to it. I did hear the whole thing. I promise I did all my homework. I didn't just go to Spark Notes. Or Wikipedia. <laughs> so that's the where it comes from. So in that way, we know that this adaptation is a broad adaptation, which it would right. need to be. It opens the story up. Yeah, if you want to adapt mm-hmm. that story, it would be a five-minute short mm. film. Like, it's I not... Think I, I, I when I was listening to it... Um... I really wanted somebody to make the film the way it was written and see if you could do it for, you know... I just feel like it's not an, it's not long things. enough. Yeah, but, I mean, those films rarely are. Yeah, and, no, I think I yeah. think it's a 20-minute film. Some, there's been some really great... Um, the, the, the penny... Dollar. Dollar. Babies. Dollar um, babies. I've seen some really good adaptations of that. We even posted some early on uh, yeah. from Children of the Corn and stuff like yeah. that. So those are a lot of fun, and it would be fun to see this done that way. Make it very look like kind a lighthouse? Of, well, yeah, black and white. a very H. Ryder Haggard kind of Arthur Conan Doyle sort of way of... I don't know of, what H. Ryder Haggard is. Uh, he wrote King Solomon's Mines. Oh, okay. But writing this sort of like... Uh, and he also wrote some creepy uh, stories, some creepy adventure kind of story. And um, But yeah, the, the problem is, especially for a modern audience is that kind of fiction is not particularly involving. No. it No, like I said, what I pictured is as the, is the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the Willem Dafoe, right. Robert Pattinson, black and white, two men going mad. Right. Together alone in the, oh, in, no, the no, no, no. in the you know, not in the wilderness, but kind of in the wilderness. It's just a different kind of wilderness. On a deserted island. Um, that's pretty wild. So that is, that's sort of the vibe that I would mm-hmm. get, but yeah. Okay, so let's talk about what they actually did. And what they actually did was put this book inside of a man. And then I'm not quite sure what his plan is, so I, let's talk about uh, it. Yes, so, this was disappointing for me. But. This episode, see, I liked the episode overall. The final battle was somewhat anticlimactic, though. Like, I wanted to rewatch it, in fact, and I didn't get a chance to because I'm like, well, I barely remember what. They did. So, Charles, several people from town. Rebecca does go with them. They all ride for Jerusalem's lot. Where, I figured they'd all go to sleep and deal with their business in the nighttime. Mm-hmm. That's not what happens. Everybody's up. Uh, we know at the end of the last well, there's a reason episode, for that. Yeah. Well, yeah. At the end of last episode, there was uh, a mass strangulation. So the promised are now vampires, which mm-hmm. is a problem. There are also significantly fewer than of them than there had been previously because uh, Chapelwaite's land is littered with bodies. Yes. <laughs> Once again, a Stephen King book wherein at some point Aren't the authorities going to need to talk to somebody? No. Uh, I believe... Mm. 
they they determined that you could kill them by striking them at their hearts, but right. I can't remember. It was in the middle of a skirmish. The vampires descend on people. Now, uh, what we should mention is, at this point, the incantation has started, or at least that was the last yeah, so episode. Ja- yeah, Jacob is is Jacob and Loa and the <laughs> the high vampires are in the church, and they are bringing forth the worm. Right. What they're literally doing is causing an eclipse <laughs> that doesn't change the lighting at all, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, and so that's happening. And then we know, we find that, or Charles indicates, you know, lets everybody know that if you strike them in the heart, he already knew you could cut off their head, right? right? Which, safe bet for anything. If yes, you've got a that's head my go-to. And you can separate it from its head... It's probably going to die. doesn't mm. work with cockroaches. But other things it will work with. <laughs> um, and a cockroach can't bite you if you have taken its head, head off. It just, It'll just sort of go around. It will even, die. It will even die of starvation. Birth, yeah. Which is the, the part that stuns well, the me. The thing that stuns me is the people who decided to do that experiment. We're going to decapitate this cockroach. Yep. cockroach and it's a pregnant cockroach. We're going to decapitate it now and see what happens. Somebody was just really resentful. And then we're going to make it a thing that you could replicate also because that's science. Ooh. I know I'm not a fan of cockroaches. It does seem like torturing. I'm just saying. Uh, I guess you can't torture an invertebrate. I don't know if I agree with that. Check back with me. As the things as things evolve, um, so so they go and they fight. They go and they fight. Uh-huh. I mean, they go and they fight. And Loa um, is invited by Jacob to take part in the in the turning. She realizes that he she has been lied to that her family will not be spared because nobody will be spared because that's how this whole thing works. Right. And I'm like, yeah, duh. But she's a child, so I guess I should give her the benefit of the doubt. But she does turn on Jacob and doesn't, you know, acquiesce to him. Uh, at some point, I knew someone was going to sacrifice themselves. Right. Um, I figured it'd be the minister. He did not make it. So instead it is George, the constable, husband of Mary, and presumably non-drinker of Mary's blood. Yeah. Because he does not resurrect. But he does basically yell, hey, over here, over here, to distract everybody and allow... Charles to go directly after Jacob. He does. They fight. And Charles does cut off Jacob's whole head. And at that point, they realize that Jacob and Loa no longer have the book because Stephen fucking runs in like a cockroach and then yunks the book and then runs away because he's like, I'm going to read it. I'm going to do it. And then the worm lord is going to make me his very favorite son uh, because he's pathetic. But Charles is like, nah, son, I have now killed two of these big bads, and you are a small bad, and I will also stab you in the chest. And he does, and he kills his cousin. Oh, this family is forever broken. Will the bonds ever be healed? No, the answer is no. Sometimes families need to die that way. At this point, we know everybody that we care about has lived, right? Dennis, well, the constable has died. He has joined his beloved wife in death, and hopefully their souls have met up in the afterlife. We'll see. We, It'll be next we season. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, Abel makes it, though. Charles makes it. Rebecca makes it. Loa is still alive, and Charles wraps her in a blanket. <laughs> And they do burn down. He says, leave nothing standing. And when they're riding away, the only thing on fire is the church. And I'm like, that? They're very poor at following instructions. I I think that... um, I also understand that 
they were filming in COVID and they were like, we can get one shot of something burning. We cannot burn this whole fucking town down. So pick a thing. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, they did not fix it in post. Um, I kept hoping that there would be some something more to this because, um, as I mentioned in our last episode, I was looking forward to the scale of the sort of battle lines that they were drawing. Yeah. And then you don't see much of it. No, I you... feel like it's done 20 yeah. minutes in. Like, yeah. 20 minutes into this hour episode. Mm-hmm. And the battle is won. Right. And you don't see a lot of what you were hoping for. Like, we have no like, idea what... We took all of episode 9 to get here. Why? Right. Well, that was it. That was what was so disappointing was we spent all of one episode preparing for it. And then it's over very quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, the you don't see Abel doing anything. There's a like there's a setup for a scene that wasn't he shot is... almost. Uh, he you desperately know, underwritten and it they me go out. off and find the you know a group breaks off from um, the main Charles yeah, and they wind up fighting the vampires who have just been brought to life. And you think it's going to be the middle of a big struggle because Mr. Sucker Puncher is there and others. And then it just cuts away to what Charles is doing. And then later on, he's joined by Abel. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, that was close. The, but wait, what, what happened? Was, what was? What was, though? There was all sorts of drama. It was, Phew! Uh, Glad we got away. It right? reminded me of uh, <laughs> Maggie Smith's tell, character eh? in... Um, Dunton Abbey, uh-huh. complaining about how she doesn't like uh, the Greek poems because all the action happens off stage. Off stage, that's true. And that's very much what A this lot was of that like. True. And um, he came back from battle. Right. Well, Warm. He, well, I would have liked to hear about that battle, but the Odyssey has <laughs> told him flashback. So you know, it's it's not while it's happening, um, but uh, it it did. Rem- I, I don't remember if you remember arachnophobia. Mm-mm. Uh, I have seen it, but I I don't. There's the scene where the main character confronts the giant tarantula that has come from the South American jungles, and in the meanwhile, uh, what is his name? The guy who played the exterminator, John... Goodman. John Goodman, sorry. John Goodman is off fighting all the other spiders in town. And I guess because they had to wrap up the film after our hero kills the giant tarantula, his daughter runs on to screen from stage right or something, just says, uh, so-and-so killed all the rest of the spiders. We're safe. And we're like, wait, how did that <laughs> happen? He killed every spider. It. in town. Like, don't, an exterminator. He don't, don't think about it too it. much. It's just like we couldn't afford to keep doing this. Do not worry about it. Right. Yeah. Yes, that is what this was like. So they go back. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, he's going to keep Loa basically in the walls of Chapelweight. That is his plan. And uh, he brings her in, and, and Tane and Honor are both like, nah, that's weird. Right. That's like super They don't want weird. any part of it. And Loa's like, they hate me now because I'm a freak. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, well, there's a <laughs> I reason mean, for no that. no offense, but you are a fucking vampire. You are the undead. I don't know... I'm sorry, right? But that's fucking. It's a weird. choice she made. No. It is yeah, a choice she made. She is. She did. And um. And Charles knows that the book has to live with the undead, and and Lois like, well, I'll take it. Let me take it. And she, he's like, you're just a kid. It's my responsibility to protect you. So he devises a plan. He says, call the doctor, and Abel rides to town for the doctor. Because that's what Abel is good for, riding to town to get someone. Uh, he's his manservant now. Cool. Cool. We made the black man's manservant. That's yeah, it. great. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Progressive. Um, and Charles basically directs Loa to vampirize him, which she doesn't want to do, but that's her dad, so she does. she does do it. And then he... The doctor comes, and uh, Boone, Charles Boone does does die. Then the doctor does cut him open and put the book inside of his body, sew him back up, and then he awakens with super pale eyes, and now he's a vampire with the thing inside of his body. He thinks now, my family will be safe from this curse because the book is with 
the undead. And I will go off into the world by myself and keep this book away from all the other vampires because presumably there are more. And it won't drive him mad it. because he's already dead. He's already dead. Okay. Um, and he can't look at it. That's the other thing. It's inside of him, right? So mm. it's he had a bad experience when he opened it, but now it's with the undead, so it won't call to anybody. Like it's that's the right. that's the idea. And then he says a weepy goodbye to everyone. And then in what appears to be broad fucking daylight, he gets in a little boat with a sail. It's a little sailboat, dinghy sailboat situation. Right. And rows out to sea. What pray tell is his plan? Because He's going to burst into flame and die, and then his kids are going to be uh, cursed again. I, I don't know. This... I didn't see a tarp that he yeah. was going to put over himself when it, when it was when the sun was high in the sky. Maybe that's the sail. I don't. What is he doing? He is going out by himself with no cover from the sun other than a jaunty hat, very good hat, um, leaving his kids alone <laughs> like honor is not of age what uh, the, the doctor that sewed the book inside of him did present them with a death certificate right so that i guess his his stuff would pass to her to honor and and honor and tane basically begrudgingly accept loa we'll see how that goes and also rebecca is left in charge of their family rebecca does stay with the family that's right is there a keys? Do they finally keys? Can't remember. I can't remember. At either. that point, I was there may so, have been a keys. Yeah, irritated. With but I just the decisions as he as he rolls out. I'm just like, you're you're gonna die, like in three minutes, and then your kids are just gonna be fucked again. Like, this is part of the what happening? the problem that I had with the show overall was his inconsistency on matters like this. I feel like they got to the end and they were like, I don't, we don't know. Right. We don't know. We um, don't know. We because don't know. there's like a... I think it's a fucking cool idea to put the book right. inside of someone's body. I think that's rad. You mm-hmm. know whose body they should have put it inside of? Lois. Yeah, but uh, that might have been taking it too far. Lois already dead. Mm-hmm. She's going to stay in the house with them. He can protect her. Right. And then... She's going... That's the other thing. You're a child. He, she wants to go with him. You're a child. She's going to be a child forever, but right. she's not going to be childlike forever. She should have all. She should have gone with him at the very least. Yes. I don't... What? And she does make that offer happened. at one point, and I he know, rejects and he's her. Like, he's like, you're too young. I'm like, she's only going to be too young for she's the next not, like, right. two years, and then she will have aged... In the meanwhile, to your age, basically, she is living in the walls of her house and yeah. sees her brother and sister as a happy meal. Right. Um, and 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 they look at her askance. Well, there's the there's week. some really, really well staged scenes there, where Loa is in the dark. We see her just sitting and you just by see herself. sort of like these glowing irises, and that's all that she is, yeah. essentially. And they realize that this is the kind of creature she is now, and they don't want to have anything to do with her. But they do. They hug her at the end. Like, right. Honor hugs her at the end. Tane, I think, does as well. Mm-hmm. So they, they're get they getting there with her. But Loa should absolutely... If, if he's going to be the one, right. she should absolutely have gone with them, with him. But I don't understand what his plan is going out into the sun. Mm-hmm. We saw what happened to Mary. Right. Like, does he think that hat is going to protect That's him? That's it. The hat protects you. It, I just, I don't understand. It's like there's a strong SPF. And I was like, is there a tarp in there that he can just, you know, I, It was, like under? I said, this is what I talked about, the inconsistencies of the story. My God is stronger than your God, but for yeah. some reason he's terrified of him. Well, like, to be what fair, was that about? everybody says that their God is stronger right, than Right, I knew that, I mean, but it point. was an inconsistency that even Jacob was bringing up. At the the same, fact that nobody right. said, well, then why? <laughs> like, right. One line of, somebody should have said because my cross right. can beat your... You're right. Everything, this so. is our, our our rock paper scissors thing. It's mm-hmm. like I have paper and you have rock all the time, <laughs> right? So I, I just didn't understand that. It's like they, they didn't think that part of it out, and they kept having this discussion about religion that made no sense in light of that. 
Um, there were a couple of other things. Yeah, and they could have. Uh, there were just a there were couple of lines would have shored that stuff up. Right. There were characters like Abel, who you really early on invest a great deal in, that yeah. just sort of disappear. Yeah. They did not know what to do with them, and it's criminally underused. He, like, don't put right. this character in here at all. Yeah. If this is what you're gonna do. And that was. It kind feels of, like well, we made right. a period piece with a black man in it, and I'm like, did you? Because I don't. I well, think you did actually. I invested more in his relationship with honor, right? Hundred percent. That never came to anything. Mm-mm. His loyalty to Charles. It's really interesting. I mean, I I get why, mm. and I'm glad that they had that conversation where he was like, "Yeah, they may not treat you like your wife, but they're right. going to treat me but like see, your wife." To me, that's like lip service to a bigger idea that you then just abandoned. We acknowledged no, it, and then true. we're just going to dump it. Yeah. And the fact is, it I had literally the bare minimum. I had least they could invested something in those characters and in that character to have him spend all these episodes, the climactic episodes, where you think he's going to come into play, yeah, uh, or at least earn Charles' respect or do something, and you just don't see what's going on. Yeah. He I just f- drops out of sight. I feel like everybody mm-hmm. is three quarters of a character, right? If that Charles is a whole character, he just doesn't make good choices there at the end. Yeah. And and nobody pushes back on him in a in a meaningful way. Right. Like the response to what he wants to do is no, don't, you can't. There's no here's a different solution. There's no reasons why you can't. There's no Everyone sort of takes his word as gospel truth. Yeah. Like, oh, well, I guess he's figured it out. He's and this is the only out. solution. And he clearly has not. Right. He does need this was a rough draft idea that they just I, went yes. ahead and did. I feel it, like it wasn't fleshed out. I feel like there were characters I, I, I do once again wanted I to know more about cool. that just got abandoned. There were situations like they set us up for a climax that wasn't even there. It was George weird. coming back to life would have been cool at the end. Like, oh, right. he did. He did in that in his weakness. Right. And her, you know, pull on him. He did drink from her. Right. And now they have to deal with him. Or he comes back, knows who he is still, because that was one thing that they talked about. Um, Rebecca tells his mom mm. tells her mom. And this is how they kind of get around the Loa thing. Rebecca tells her mom, because he she asks her dad, who she'd seen right. in the previous episode. Um, and it comes up here, too. How much of you is there? Like, how much of you is you, and how much of you is undead and a monster, right? And her dad says, I feel as much as I want to feel. So the weaker you are, I presume the more monster you are because it hurts to feel. It's easier than that. And if given the choice, a lot of people I think would be like, yeah, I'm going to nope right out of feeling. Thanks. That's cool. Especially if my hunger drives me to murder people, I'm going to not feel as much as humanly possible or inhumanly possible, I suppose. (laughs) But, um, you know, so that is discussed with, the kids, like, Loa is as much, like, she's herself because that's what she wants to be. And Charles could be his whole self because that's who he wants to be. So it would have been cool to see George, the constable, right. well, come okay. to and realize who he is and still fight on their side. That's one of the plot lines that I thought they could have gone with that they just dumped. Yeah. Because there was that possibility and they raised the possibility and then mm-hmm. nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And it could have been that. I was also thinking of Abel either dying Mm -hmm. heroically trying to save them Mm -hmm. or Abel becoming vampirized and having to say goodbye to Honor. There were so many... Both of those, given his story arc as it was, would have pissed me. Right, they would have pissed you off, but if he'd become vampirized and then had to go say goodbye to Honor and then taken some sort of heroic way out, that would have been better than the sort of damp squib where he just doesn't do anything. I, guess, I mean, something. Give him something just to do. Be killing him off to I, kill him off, which I don't. I don't know. I don't know what you. But it would have been more know. dramatic to have something happen. Yes, for sure. Dramatic like, wise, you're right. And and um, and instead we just get nothing. And Rebecca also gets sort of underused in this episode. Yeah. And so it was as if we're going to focus strictly on Charles. Yep. 
and his adventures a terrible fighting choice. vampires, then he, his weird decisions, which is only about halfway thought through, like a lot of the stranger elements of the story. Like, why don't they? So one character bursts into, there's another one, bursts into flames as soon as they have any exposure to daylight, but we see them walking around in daylight it's, all the time. It's, I think it's full sun, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was how much of her skin was exposed. Right. This is all conjecture. Because, because we're not I'm not clear yeah. on it. Now, part of the... I, I don't actually hate that so much mm. but because they don't know, right? So if there's some confusion about what the parameters are, that's fine with me. What's not fine with me is now this man has transformed into one of these creatures and instead of doing a modicum of research to see what his right. limits are, he rose out to sea with no sun protection to, quote-unquote, save his family. Now, if anything happens to him, if he, in that dinghy, dies, mm-hmm. bursts into flame, dies. The book doesn't combust. The book doesn't combust. The book, the book, book doesn't burn. Right. The book is now there calling to his family out into the, out into the sea. What? That's terrible? That's not going to go well. The only person who could possibly get it is Loa, because we know she can walk underwater for at least 20 feet, because that's about how far out he wrote and dropped her. Um, Maybe 20 yards. 20 feet is not very far. Uh, And she won't have any pull, or she won't have any sense of it, because she is not alive. So... So now she, he's just going to drive his, or his kids to madness when he bursts into flame in, yeah. like I said, about three and a half minutes. I, I because don't... it does appear to be dawn as he is rowing out, too. I'm just like, shouldn't it be nighttime or dusk at the it, very least? A lot of what happened in the story, we should bring out, uh, point out that the... Um, well, how can I put this? Visually, the episode's very interesting. Yeah. I like the effect that's produced when the eclipse comes because it's a... A world-ending eclipse, so the the stars in the sky are sort of swarming around and being sucked away. Yeah. And, yes, there and are so, some there are some really beautiful shots. There are some really interesting ideas, mm-hmm. but it feels half. Everything feels half baked and gooey in the middle, undeproved. <laughs> what else did you like? Anything? I like. I like the music too. Actually. I did. I like the music. Um, I just I. The problem is, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been bad had any of those elements come through. The only really what's disappointing about this is it was so good up until this weird unresolved. Let's hurry up and this get everything done. This last two anyway. episodes really yeah. felt like we've got a deadline, so right. let's just get it done. And so that's the feeling. It's just up until now, I've actually really enjoyed it. And it's not saying that the episode wasn't good in terms of it has really beautiful production values. The art direction, this disgusting little dirty town looks like a disgusting dirty town. And we didn't mention how April Girl gets her comeuppance. Oh, yeah. Um, no, what does happen to her? She gets killed. No, everybody um, gets killed. I don't remember. God, I, don't I, remember. I legitimately don't remember. Does he get her? She threatens Loa. Oh, she threatens Loa. That's right. She threatens Loa constantly. I'm right. surprised Loa didn't kill her in that He's bar. attempting to, to kill her, and then she gets killed, but um, she's taken by surprise because she's so fixated on Loa. And it might be Jacob who kills her. I don't remember. Oh, uh, it might be because, yeah, show her the deference. She did right. what you all couldn't and all of that, which I like, actually. I did like that. And I like that Loa figured it out. Mm-hmm. Like, she wasn't just portrayed to be dumb the whole time she made bad choices right she's a child yeah she's the only one who has an excuse for making bad choices a child who woke up undead at the bottom of the ocean and had to walk home that'll leave you with some bad feelings i feel like uh i do feel bad for her and her dad should have taken her with him and i that i think is my biggest problem with him is, yeah, she's a kid now, but like I said, give her a year of living in the world as a vampire. 
she will not be a child anymore. That is not what's going to happen. She's going to look like a child, which will keep her safe in some ways. But she's going to age just like emotionally and mentally into a full-grown human being. Well, that's going to be interesting. She'll be the same character as... um... I think it's Kristen Dunst in... Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. So... Which, I don't... That is a that is a fate that I would not wish on anybody. To be stuck in a child's body. There's a character in, in, in Umbrella Academy that has the same issue. He's like a, you know, 50-year-old dude in a 12-year-old's body. Like, you can't have a full the full life of a 50-year-old in a child's body because it's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> It's illegal to do that. Well, that also reminds me of Near Dark, the little boy who is a horrible, violent lecher, but he's actually a very old man stuck in a little boy's body. So he's profane. He's constantly, you know, scoping out women because inside of his head he's terribly old. But he's always going to be in this body that's going to be rejected and grosses everyone out, you know, because he's a child. And Loa's not going to have a good time. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nuts. So that's Trappleweight. Is that it? I think so. <laughs> we come I don't, to an ignominious end. I, I don't think that there's actually much that gets done or resolved there. It just sort of, and then it's over. And you're going well. well Okay, they saw the big. I think there might have been. I'm not sure. Is there going to be a season two of Chapelwit? There will not be that I am aware of. Okay, because that that could explain. I believe it was written as a single season of tell. Like it covered. That's the story. So I hope there isn't a season two. They don't need to do a season two, even though they didn't really finish. Season one. Pew, pew. Let's see what the internet thinks. Murmur, murmur. The producers have not specified whether or not the show will get renewed. But I do not... I do not... Think... It is intended to have a second uh, I would season. Want, I mean, if if it does come back, I don't know where the story would focus. Because I don't think that Charles, at this point, wandering around with a book sewn inside of him, as a kind of a human, you know, otter case, is going to be particularly interesting. And to me, the more interesting part of the story is going to be Loa and how she yeah. deals with her family. But that would be very hard to do. Is You can't have a child actor, essentially. You know, children tend to grow in real life. They do, yeah. It's gonna, yeah. You gotta, you gotta film that now. Um, sorry, I want to just check something real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I don't think I caught this, but Peter Filardi, I, I know he said that. He had done the craft. Did we talk about how he did the Salem slot with Rob Lowe? It's Peter Filardi. One of the writers and showrunners oh, on I this. I think we mentioned it. Been the and then that it's... Nightmares and Dreamscapes episode? Okay. So he's uh, he's got Stephen King in his bones. Is... I remember the craft thing, but I didn't remember about... Yeah, because it's the Filardi brothers. It's the Chapoyardi. Um... <laughs> What was I saying? Uh, no, you stopped to look at both Lardy Brothers. I think that's all. So, yeah, so that's Chapelweight. It was good for eight episodes. Yeah, I don't like it when it peters out near the end. Cause it I was, I mean, overall it was fine. I'm not mad that I watched it. It's not mm. my least favorite of the miniseries by far. Um, we are going to rank things next week. I don't know what all our categories and things will be. I'm going to put start putting that together and send to you to... To think about, yeah. but um, 
we are going to do a little bit of a retrospective and a final thoughts on Stephen King next week. Uh, and in the future, as things are released, we could maybe, or you know, like Blank Check does, revisit them as they come out. Uh, we won't be late, but, you know. Yeah. It, yeah, I'm really looking forward to next week's episode for us when we get to sort of recap this because there's so much this experience we can't it's been as you put it 130 episodes yep so it's been a very long trip and I've enjoyed yep. it almost all of it yeah and before that we were doing TV shows that we weren't very pleased with at times yeah and and I'm kind of frightened about committing back to that it's like what yeah, if I get into another Battlestar Galactica we're giving Galactica? thoughts to what we yeah. can do next because we want it to be enjoyable to listen to and to do so enjoyable for us that's an important one yeah but also entertaining yeah like yeah so we just gotta figure it out um and we will have more details on that next week until then do you have anything you would like to yes i would like to recommend something and then also to second your recommendation okay (laughs) okay um Spoiler alert. He already knows my recommendation. Yes. It's not a secret. I really am enjoying the last season of Lost in Space. It's the last season? It's the last season. Mm. And I would like you to watch it. We can try to take a turn when it's all done. Yeah. But it really, I remember... They're not releasing it by week, are they? It's all no, in no, there. No, it's all Yeah, there. so I could watch it now. I remember Lost in Space, the original, as a television program that had a very kind of serious science fiction bend for the first season. In black and white, and then when it switched to color, there was a transition where it really became this sort of comedic show, really aimed at um, very young children. And then the third season tried to recover some of its dignity back, and it was kind of late for that. Um, but that's the sort of vagaries of television. This week, Dr. Smith and Will are really popular, so we're going to make every episode about them. And that was what happened with the middle season. This new show seems to have really tried to get rid of that and start with the kind of serious exploration of being lost in space, constantly running out of resources, uh, hostile environments. Um, currently, they're on a planet where all the atmosphere is contained on huge bubbles on the surface uh, in canyons, because mm-hmm. if they go up to the surface proper, there is no air. And so they're essentially living in a great big air bubble that could burst at any moment because there's a constant meteorite sh- uh, showers. And well, that's uh, n- n- nerve-wracking. Right. And so the entire show has managed to do, to add the element of the actual nerve-wracking. Uh, there was an episode uh, in the second season involving um, a tidal change that completely floods over these waterfalls that people were commenting, and this is the most, you know anxious I've been on a television, watching a television program ever, because they it's really played up into the sort of suspense element, are these people going to survive? And so it's a world away from the original TV show and a vast improvement to my mind, as infrequently as you'll hear me say that, like, oh, this was a better idea. But actually taking the show seriously and treating it like these are the menaces that happen to people in space, mm-hmm. or that if that generation of the first actual space travelers are going to run into some horrible things. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to be terribly brave. And the way that they pull it together, there's not an artificial cloying feeling about them being a family. Um, they're actually trying to do it. And they don't always get along. They don't always um, succeed at what they're doing. Dr. Smith, who was Jonathan Harris in the old show, who did, um, and we all know now, even people who did watch the show this Sorry, I'm not going to be able to edit around that. I'm just going to drown you out. Okay, try that again. Um, Jonathan Harris played Dr. Smith in the original show. and That's who Parker Posey is playing? Right. And his Dr. Smith was this ridiculously effeminate, queenie man who runs from danger and literally walks with his hands kept around his chest and flails them every once in a while. It was really awful. Um, And... I don't know how they got away with that at the time. Um, but, it, it, you know, in watching it now, it's like it's unwatchable because it yeah. is his take on this character that he's just terribly queenie. He even called himself the that, queen of outer space. That term, term is upsetting to me. 
Right. Um, well, that okay, Queenie. Let's yeah. See. <laughs> he referred to his character as the Queen of Outer Space. Got you. Okay, so, so he's doing that, but right. it is a parody of a gay man. It's a yeah, an extreme parody of a gay man. Okay. It's done to you know to the extent that you know he lounges around uh, trying to get out of work and extend his knowledge of art and culture and is physically a coward every time there's any danger. Right. Um, but that's that all sort of gets put so way Parker Posey plays Dr. Smith in this one, and she plays it as just a real narcissist who's obnoxious because she almost never does the right thing, but she will do anything to get herself ahead. So there's some motivation for what she does, not just I'm going to sort of literally prance and run and scream. Right. Um, no, she's a psychopath, I think. Yes, and it's interesting <laughs> watching how... So I, I saw the first season, and right. I haven't seen anything since. But yeah. And that sense developed. She keeps trying to do the right thing, but only when she has like a cost-benefit analysis of whether or not the right of thing is going to get her. Anyway. Got you. And um, and so like her take on it, she's incredibly obnoxious. But that's what the part demands. Like, no, this is a much saner version of this character. So um, I'm enjoying it. I'm not finished yet, but hopefully it'll be that same quality up until the end. Because you know, Chapel Wait. Well, sometimes they they don't follow it all the way through. So um, Yes, fair enough. What do you want to recommend? I have two little recommendations. One of them, you may have heard of him. He's a little man by the name of Spider-Man. Spider-Man. He's Peter Spider-Man. <laughs> and uh, he's got some friends. And they are at a theater near you. And we watched Spider-Man No Way Home. And we liked it very much. Uh, Stephanie said it's now her favorite Marvel movie, which I think she's cheating on Shang-Chi. And I... Still think Shang Chi is my favorite, um, but it's very good. It's very enjoyable. The way that they handle the multiverse is very good. Mm-hmm. When they bring in certain characters and when they don't is very good. Um, I liked it a whole bunch. Um. So yeah, I don't. It doesn't need my help. It is the highest grossing movie that Sony's ever. And put out or something like that. Right. It's making bonkers amounts of money. If you want to see it, you'll have seen it. But I really like. I got the it. impression watching it that it also cost bonkers amounts of money to make. Oh yeah, for because sure. they brought in the, the Spider-Man series as a whole has been more successful than I think Superman and Batman, as good as those films are, in terms of consistently having good movies. I mean, one of the stories, screenplays is written by Michael Chabon, for heaven's sakes. Um, and the casts, who they're cast for their villains, are consistently good. And when you see them all together, Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe, who's amazing in this movie. Willem Dafoe just... He's great. Yes. <laughs> I mean, um, he's, like, consistently great. It's not a surprise. But, like, the range that he has to do right, in this... and be believable on both sides... Is difficult. A man who is aware of the fact that he's insane. Yeah. And then watching that switch get turned and watching him and Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina as these villains. I mean, it's amazing the quality of actors they chose for the villains. And then it's no surprise to anybody you get to meet these Spider-Man, Spider-Man from different universes. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. What's great about that is that... um, You've seen the memes, y'all. You've seen the memes. They right. recreated all the memes where the three Spider-Mans point at each other. They straight up do that <laughs> in the movie. Um, there's a lot of fun to be had with watching Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield come back as Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire is an old man now, y'all. He's a grown man. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's old. Thank you very much. But um, is he younger than you? I don't even know how old he is. The point it was, it was really great watching you know, three different sets of actors playing the same character. He's younger than you. And watching this sort of interaction that they, they, they have together. And it's very funny. It's really, really, really very funny. And, and the they whole... all are different Peter Parkers in different stages. Uh, There's an Andrew Garfield moment that, like, I love so much and want to watch over and over again. Right. I love it so much. Um, the way that this ends, of course, it... Doesn't say that Spider-Man will return. We don't know. My sense is that yeah. Tom Holland and Marvel will come up with a number. 
<laughs> Tom Holland will do more Spider-Man movies. But as of right now, mm-hmm. like after Iron Man 3, Robert Downey Jr. is like, write me a check. <laughs> we'll see. I'll be in well, whatever I'm going to be I mean, be the in. next one can be Spider-Man Go Home already. Okay. Um, it's all the homes. I, I think that what... And, and we can't give away anything about the ending of the film, but it's watching him come to terms with who he is and knowing, having met his other selves, that he's going to be okay. Yeah. And watch. And what's really neat about this film is how it ties together loose ends from two other, other sets of movies. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Garfield's character gets a resolution that we didn't get in his series of films. Yeah. And to be clear... Yes, I do. I do very much. I like those amazing Spider-Man movies, yo. And it was like, wow. So they reached back and tied up a loose end from another whole series of movies um, and put that together. And so there's some amazing acting in here. Willem Dafoe, like we mentioned, the three Spider-Men. Um, Zendaya is actually really good. There's moments in here great. where she's like interacting her. with them. Um that are just really genuine. Of course, they're in a real relationship and seem to like each other, so I think that might be part of it. But also watching... um, What is her name? Aunt. Oh, Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei, who... Let us not forget, she's Academy Award winner, Marissa Tomei. She is Academy Award winner. And she gives that level of performance in this film. She does. She's very good. She's amazing. Like, oh... Yeah, I forgot. She's and that she's good an actress. she's funny. Like, legitimately, yes. she's... Her comic timing is very Very good, funny, right. Which, I mean, she won an Academy Award for a comedy. Right. Um, that I have not seen. So maybe that's a thing we there do. There we go. We I did a series of films, too, so... I just had a thought. I just oh. had a thought. Okay. We'll talk about it offline. I just right. had a thought. Um, But, yeah. So, I, Spider-Man. Y'all don't. You know. Yeah. If you know, you know, right? It's like, uh, what is it? They the... don't need me. Marvel and Sony do not need me to tell you to go see the Spider-Man movie. But y'all, do some favor. A friend of mine. And if you are a person who imbibes uh-huh. uh, cannabis, do that before right. <laughs> A friend of mine used to, and this was way back before we had VCRs, right? He used to record radio programs, regional radio programs. On and a so, cassette tape? Yep. On his reel-to-reel originally. Oh, And so better. he used to play them at work that sometimes. That crackly sound. Yeah, that hiss can never be replaced. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the thing is, he got a lot of regional radio, and he kept hours of this one particular DJ who was very funny. I can't remember where he's from now, but um, he uh, I remember him pleading, well, I listened to Sgt. Pepper's, and it was really great. So, um, yeah, this sounds stupid, but... You might want to kick some money down for the Beatles, man. They need they need help right now. You know they're not doing so good. Of course they are, but the point is sometimes, even with all the money and all the backing, something amazing happens, and this film is a good example of that. Yeah, it he, it's amazing. Yeah, Spider Man. Let me give you a l- let me do a back a, a, a piggyback on that and what you mm-hmm. were just saying. Mm-hmm. So Marvel and Sony do not need me to plug them. Right. But we watched a movie yesterday. That is a. We watched it off of a PBS airing. Mm -hmm. There's a documentary called Rumble, The Indians Who Rocked the World. It's a documentary about Native Americans and how they shaped American music. It's real good, Mm y'all. And it is available on YouTube, on Google Play, on Apple TV, on Vudu for $3. This is something worth spending a couple of dollars on. Uh, It's fascinating. You're going to see a lot of musicians from a lot of bands that you know. You had no idea. I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know they were indigenous. I didn't know they were native. I didn't know they were Indian. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of Choctaw drummers up in this. (laughs) Apache drummers up in this bitch. It's amazing. It was a really, really good documentary. Really interesting. They traced the whole of American music from the 1890s. Up through the and they give you a context rock? for it. Yeah, they they give you a context for it so that you understand that the music was intentionally suppressed, mm-hmm. and um, and how it goes through. And I think the real focal point of the program, at least in the first part, is Link Ray. Yes, and inventing more or less or popularizing the power chord. Yes, 
And how he and did that, it by accident. That distortion right. on a guitar that is so common in so much of American rock and roll. Right, music. exactly. And so he's he's doing that. And yeah, there's But the the blues right. the fact that bluegrass is basically native music. Right. And a lot of what you think of as quote unquote black music uh-huh. or African music is a melding of African indigenous mm-hmm. music and American indigenous music. And the way that and a lot of people that mm-hmm. you thought were black weren't all black. Well, that's kind of the, the story there is... What's up, Jimi Hendrix? <laughs> yes, they, they cover that. It's like, no, there were times when runaway slaves were taken in by Indians. Of course. And then you had this sort of intermixing of just style and culture. And, and culture, so yeah. a lot of it came back. And it's like, yeah, you're listening to blues music. There is a point when there is a, a Native American performer and she is doing what I would have categorized as bluegrass. Yeah. And it's not. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And it's it's we But keep then there are mm-hmm. bit of bluegrass, yeah. which is a native band that sings bluegrass. And it comes it's a lot of it is right. You know, native uh instrumentation. Native, right. I mean it's it's really really native vocalization. Yeah. Um and that's that. Yeah, that's a really. I I really enjoyed that documentary because first of all, you were learning so much. Like, yeah. oh my god, I didn't know. Oh my god, I didn't know. Oh my, what, really? Mm-hmm. What? And on top of that, there was um, Stephanie downloaded a bunch of music while we were right. watching it. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking people up too. Just like, okay, I need to hear what this sounds what like. This I need sounds to... like, yeah. Um, but so that's called Rumble. Certainly worth watching. Yeah. The, so. One thing that doesn't need our help and one thing that could use it. So right. both and both very, very educate good. yourself. Both learn. worth your time. So but much. it's not homework. It's not No, it's not. Especially if you love music. I mean there's points yeah. where we're talking we're putting Pete Townsend side by side with Link Ray going, yeah. This is the progression that you're watching. And it's a well done uh-huh. documentary. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like medicine. Right. Right, like it's entertaining. Here's that's, something boring that you need to know. It's like yeah, no, that's no, how. This that's, is not what it I love like documentaries when they are well done, when mm-hmm. they are not taking my vegetables. <laughs> right, <laughs> and this wasn't. This was fully enjoyable the whole the whole way through. So, um, uh, that link in the show notes, y'all. Link in the show notes. All right, next week, our Stephen King retrospective, and until then, I uh, you can reach out. If you have ideas on our next uh, series, or we'll probably do a something small and then something longer. Yeah. That's probably what's going to happen. We need to take a break from we the long We need a break. <laughs> um, but any ideas, questions, comments, or concerns, can you can find us uh, by emailing us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at latecomerspod. You can find us on Facebook, latecomerspodcast. Search it in the search bar. Uh... I would like to remind you to take your medicine, and we would like to remind you better, better late, late than, than never. never.